It's December and you're probably just glad this year is almost over and hoping it will never happen again. Here in Adelaide, we're facing what is hopefully a very short and very mild second lockdown. And my hearts go out to all of those small businesses and I hope that you get through this next difficult period. Switching to work, at the end of the year, it's often a good time to think about what's been going on. You do spend at least eight hours a day there. And I know that's an obvious and boring statement that we've all heard many, many times, but still, can I put in a plea to consider these end-of-the-year career brickbats and bouquets? The brickbats highlight avoidable traps and the bouquets really do set you up for more happiness at work. Welcome to Career Chinwags for the 21st Century. I'm a career practitioner who's worked with thousands of clients over the past 20 years, so I've had quite a bit of time to think about career stuff. Each fortnight, I'll pick up on an issue that takes my fancy. Some will be extremely practical, such as episode four, which looks at how to prepare for a video interview, something we've all been facing lately. Other episodes cover more big picture topics, like how to assess what type of job works for you. In today's episode, I'm going to throw some metaphorical stones and deliver some metaphorical flowers. Let's go. Brickbat number one is going to be quite controversial, I think. It's women who complain about being shut out of a man's world without having an action plan. I'm a feminist from way back. While I was still in my teens, I just admired my elder sister as she made it very clear to her new husband that they were going to be sharing the household chores right from the start. Annie was well ahead of her friends in this regard, and I just naturally followed suit. In the business world, I love seeing women gain the respect they generally deserve and be appointed to boards, executive roles and politics, according to their merits. However, in the short term, whilst we are waiting for the world to be perfect, I don't waste energy focusing on how hard it is for women to succeed. As a career specialist, I look at the reality each individual female client faces and help her to bridge any gap. If you're female and missing out on such roles, it's worth taking a look at yourself to see if there are changes you can make to ensure that you hit the mark. For example, many executives are introduced as possible board members by a current board member. That's how I got on my first board. That's the way of the world. Rather than bemoaning the boys' club, it might be worth implementing a targeted networking campaign. The process is exactly the same as job search networking, which I talk about in episodes two and three. It just has a different aim. And I had a coffee with somebody about five or six months ago who took about 12 months, 18 months to implement the program She actually wanted to meet me to report that it had worked. It's also worth checking that you have the right persona for an executive board role, because often these are quite superficial issues that can be easily changed or fixed up. I think men, for example, have an immense advantage, which comes from the suit. And I think that's why it's lasted all these years. I call it a suit of armour. You put your suit on and it gives you instant gravitas and hides many personal body flaws. I will applaud you all of the way if you cut through without looking the part. 
But I think there's no doubt that it's easier to penetrate a new circle if you do fit in with their expectations. Brickbat number two, taking a same-same approach to your work situation when you're not happy. Many people find that as they get near the Christmas break, they wonder whether they can do another year of the same thing. In fact, I had a coffee with somebody this week who was examining that very carefully. His thoughts, like many other people, were turning to throwing it all in and starting somewhere else. And the common theme is, well, surely that new employer will solve my problems. Instead of throwing in the towel for greener grass on the other side, how about watering your own lawn? As I constantly preach, it's important to forensically examine your key motivators and drivers. If you find that the source of your dissatisfaction is with your actual work tasks, rather than a disconnect with your career values or the workplace culture, I suggest that you work through an in-house option first. So get the broom out. Many people feel powerless to make changes to a job they're not happy with. However, it is possible. A starting point is to imagine you've just won your current job and take a new broom to it. What changes would you make in the way the job is currently being done? It's easiest to tackle changes that don't need the approval of others. For other changes that need the cooperation of your boss, you need to develop an action plan. For example, if you want to learn a new skill, you're more likely to win approval if you can identify a strategic link between the new skill and your current job responsibilities. What can you do, though, if you aren't sure of what changes to make to the job? I find that many people ignore one of the best sources of information, which is other people. You can tap into the knowledge and advice of fellow workmates and even expand your network of contacts to explore possibilities. Once you've clarified your thoughts, you can go to your manager with clear ideas and a pathway. In this way, you're presenting solutions, not problems. Let's say one of the changes you want to make at work is to change from full-time to part-time work. Many people ruin their chances to make a move to part-time work by marching into their boss and presenting an immediate request to change their hours. I think a key to success here is to see the world from the boss's perspective. What is it that he or she needs to feel comfortable about before giving the go-ahead for the change? For example, the boss may need to know that the area of work that you're giving up can be seamlessly taken up by someone else with no damage to ongoing operations and no extra costs. Your request is more likely to win over your boss if it's accompanied by a well-thought-out transition plan. And this may need you to think ahead. You might need to identify another employee who could be trained in the tasks and then allow time for that person to complete any training. Last but not least, success is more likely to go to a valued employee. The more critical you are to the business, and the more you are valued as a person, the more likely it is that your boss agrees to the change. So it's worth reviewing your current contribution and how you are perceived at work and make any necessary changes well in advance of your request. But let's say after all your examination, your navel-gazing, your chatting to other people, you do decide you need to leave your current workplace. What about this prospect of starting over again? 
If you're considering the idea of reinventing yourself, take heart. People do it successfully all the time. The first stage is to ensure that your proposed career changes suit the essence of who you are. For example, does it match your skills and interests and is there a good fit with your personality? Once again, I've talked about this topic in great detail in podcast number seven. Once you've identified careers that interest you, you need to understand the job search process. As an example, a basic rule of thumb is that networking is king. People say that 65% of positions are generally picked up using this strategy. And then finally, you need to launch your job search campaign. I've found that successful career changes have really high levels of discipline. And I think it would help you to have someone to support and inspire you. It's a matter of whatever it takes to do the hard yards, to keep on track and to persist. Brickbat number three, going it alone. That's all right, doctor. I know your advice is free, but my mother has recovered from many illnesses herself, so she's going to help me recover from this bout of pneumonia. Or worse, that's all right, doctor. My wife and I have got together and we're going to treat this illness ourselves. Last year, I was so shocked when two employees from a client company were made redundant but declined our help. It has happened before, but generally the people involved are more senior and they think that their high level of on-the-job competency means they're also experts at career transition. These two people were leaving entry-level manufacturing roles in Adelaide, capital city of what is often called the Rust Belt State. Yet they were both comfortable that they didn't need our free support. One person was going to work up a resume with the help of his wife and the other was going to rely on his mother, whom he assured me had applied for lots of roles in the past and so knew what she was doing. I did follow up a few months later and neither of those two people had a job. Believe it or not, I again talked to them about how we could help them, but no go this time either. What about if you have to pay for a career expert out of your own pocket? Deciding to go it alone is easier to understand, of course, in these circumstances. However, I chatted last week to someone who had a very big payout, but she was reluctant to spend any money on a financial planner. She intended to keep all of the money in a term deposit. In my head, I did the sums and calculated the cost of the planner as a percentage of the whole payout. I know what I would have done. You can argue the same thing with job search advice. Calculate the cost in terms of the time you spend in finding a new role. Factor in unhappiness, lack of confidence, waste of time applying for unlikely roles. Then decide whether it's worth checking your approach with an expert. By the way, you'll find a list of career practitioners on the Career Development Association of Australia website. And if you're listening from overseas, your country surely has a similar group of people whose expertise you can tap into. On a more positive note, what about the bouquets? This year, as always, I've met so many lovely and interesting people. Three of them stand out in particular. Bouquet number one, they reap what they have sowed. I can't tell you how lovely it is to work with somebody who barely needs me. A recent client, let's call him Steve, gave lie to all of the normal stereotypes. 
He was clearly over 60. He was quietly spoken and he was unassuming. Yet it was pretty obvious very early on that he was easily going to pick up a new role. Why was that? He had a wonderful reputation in his industry. Adelaide being Adelaide, I happened to meet a former boss of his and I will always remember what she said. He would be the last person I would let go in the company. That's how good he is. His reward? Recruiters put him forward for hidden roles they were filling. His stories at interviews were quietly compelling and he picked up an excellent new role within a short period of time. The message is obvious, I think. The world these days is a very small place. Especially with LinkedIn, most people can find out what you are really like in the workplace. The feedback about Steve was outstanding. What would people say about you? Bouquet number two, catching up on a technical skills deficit. In all my years of helping people to find a new job, I can't remember anyone quite like Katie. She was bright, bubbly, fun, very appealing. And these are wonderful advantages when you're looking for a new job. She was also extremely good at her mid-level job, but it was in a very narrow technical area with very limited prospects of future employment. Katie had never learned basic skills like Word or Excel, and she was going to struggle to find work unless she did something about it. As with other clients in similar circumstances, I alerted Katie to some excellent low-cost training that she could sign up for. The difference was that Katie was not a gunner, as in, I'm gonna do that one day. She started the very next day. Katie had the discipline to complete her Word and Excel exercises every morning before she started any other job search activities. No moaning, no excuses, just solid work. Obviously it paid off and Katie found a job soon after. Bouquet number three, harnessing inner confidence. At a recent session, Hawaii said he had had a very bad cold and he had confessed that he hadn't felt like taking charge of his job search. Now, there's nothing new there. Very few clients tell me that they actually want to tackle the hidden job market. By that, I mean searching for those roles that are never advertised. What did surprise me was that Huey went on to comment that in the past, he generally hunted out his own jobs, even going so far as to do the dreaded cold call. Huey had a strong belief that he had value in the marketplace and that someone would recognise his ability and offer him a good job. So he was not afraid to take the lead to identify such people and then approach them. Huey was interested in learning about proper job search networking, so we covered off on all the details over a few sessions. Lo and behold, the next time I saw Huey, he reported back on a string of strategic, well-conducted job search networking meetings. He found his next job through a contact made at his previous workplace. And the location was much closer to home, which was part of his aim. Huey had both confidence and bravery, which is an irresistible combination. Really, people are amazing. And I did want to finish off talking about Jane. She was one of those rare individuals willing to forego the big salary for better career satisfaction. But that's for another time. This is podcast number 12, I think, maybe number 13. 
My downloads are increasing, but I still don't have many reviews anywhere yet, and I don't have many subscribers. If you like what you've heard, I'd love it if you could share this podcast or leave a review. At this stage, I'm doing a podcast every fortnight, and next episode, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. It won't be till mid-January, and that feels like such a long time away now. Have a happy Christmas, everyone. Let's hope that next year sees us all on the path back to normality. Remember, if you want to review what we've talked about, check out the full show notes at careerconsult.com.au. There you can find a full article, perhaps an infographic or a video that will summarise what we've talked about today or what I've talked about today. I'll repeat that, careerconsult.com.au. And I do a mail out once a fortnight of videos, blogs and infographics. If you're interested, you'll find a sign-up form on the website or contact us at admin at careerconsult.com.au. 2020, a horrible year, so let's finish on a positive note with the hashtag, hashtag, why not be happy at work?